January, you did it. Whether you attempted a dry January or a vegan one, or maybe a run 50k one, you made it. And hopefully in good shape for the return of ice to its customary winter date in the diary. Good Money says you won't manage an alcohol-free ice. Anyway, this is iGaming FM and we need to get on with episode 27 no less. And it's another cracker produced by Alice. First up and hot on the heels of today's breaking news about his new role, we hear from popular industry figure Simon Westbury who tells Robin Hutchison about his experiences with Digitane and a very bright future in prospects. Secondly, our Sam Goodall chats with Ryan Kerr of SimpleBet about micro-betting markets in the US and how the operator is learning and improving its offer with every gameplay. Finally, another Sam, Sam Gascoigne, is in conversation with Walter Bunyo, CEO of Games Global. Walter is, of course, a veteran of gaming's top table and he discusses the future of Games Global, a new brand but one with a rich heritage. But now, and for the very first time, please welcome producer Alice on guitar. We open with a topical chat with Simon Westbury of Digitane, who updates our Robin Hutchison on latest developments at the company, a conversation that begins with memories of gin and tonics on the train. Simon, I first got to know you on a train from London to Sheffield. I was getting off at Derby, and in between we had quite a few gin and tonics, I seem to remember. They probably don't help my memory now, but I seem to remember you were at Vsoft at the time. You hadn't yet gone to Digitane, but you've been at Digitane, I noticed from your LinkedIn profile, nearly four years now, and your journey and their journey has been quite interesting in between, it's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I do remember the trip. I remember we'd been at iGaming lunch, I think, and Michael Caselli stood on the table like Jesus, giving us his insight as always. I don't remember the train journey back. I do remember the gin and tonic. Yeah, that well, I was just at Vsoft. I was uh, just on the, the verge of selling it and, and, and looking at future options for me. And Digitane came along a little bit later. It's been a journey, been an interesting journey. As every journey, it has challenges, it's had bumps, it's not been the smoothest at times, but sometimes it's not about how you get there, it's how we get to where we are. And I think as a company, and I've said this to Mr. Vartanian, you know, the founder of Digitane, when I joined, we were at point A, we're now at point B, and I certainly want to get to point D and E. The journey we've been on over the last nearly four years has been amazing, challenging, amazing, exciting. I've spent a lot of time in Armenia, as you know, Robin, from when you try and get hold of me, and it's become a, a second home to me. That's part of the reason for the success. I've spent so much time there. When I first joined, I was doing two weeks every month. I spent a lot of time understanding the culture, understanding the people, and you can't do that remotely. You mentioned the people there. I heard you talking at the awards dinner at SBC Barcelona about Armenia and your love of Armenian people and the country and the culture. It's probably very different for a guy from North London from what you're used to, but an amazing bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, North London boy, we don't speak to each other. You get up in the morning and it's all very confined and you see the man opposite you putting his undercrackers on in the morning. It's a country that's very important to gaming. There's some, you know, big gaming companies there. I've become friends. I've got a lot of friends in Armenia now. It has become a second home. Culturally, it's very different to me, obviously, but it's a co- I actually prefer it to the British culture, I won't lie. It's very family-orientated, and when I'm in Yerevan on a Sunday, you walk around and you see all the families out. Sunday's family day. They're very warm, they're very open, and they've got a story to tell as well. I'm not going to get into the politics of it all here, I don't think that's the time to, but they have a voice, and if I can 
help share their story. That's, I'm more than happy to do it. But the people are very warm and open. And I'd, I'd recommend, and I think with more people going to Armenia from the industry, we're seeing that. I see it on LinkedIn. I don't want too many people to know, certainly British people, because we have a habit of ruining things. Apart from a direct flight for travel, which would be great to me, I'd like to keep it a little bit of a secret. Talking of people, it would be remiss of me not to when we're talking about Digitane's journey, not to mention Peter Nolan, who we lost sadly before Christmas. He played, I know, an instrumental role in Digitane's development, but also your own development. I know you were very close to him, as a lot of people were at Digitane, but he's a sad loss to the industry. You know, I was in Bulgaria when I got the call from his wife. It wasn't the easiest call to take, obviously. Um, And I think, actually, I didn't realise how... I'm going to use the word monumental. It's maybe a bit strong, but monumental Peter was in the industry. I was very close to him. I mean, I'd asked for him to mentor me because he was, we used to joke, he was my priest. I spoke to him every day. It was like I went to confession because as much as I love Armenia and as much as I love my Armenian colleagues, you know, there are cultural differences. And sometimes I think it's fair to say Mr. Vartanian calls them Simonisms. You know, I'm an emotional guy and I want to get things done. And Peter was like my priest. He listened to my confession and he taught me, Two very important things. Don't sweat the small stuff and learn to delegate. It's quite odd because I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, I used to do everything myself, but I've now got a management team of three people that are are doing everything I did. So yeah, he was instrumental to me. And I think, you know, we're talking in the lead up to ICE and I know this will go out shortly, but it would have been his birthday today, the, the day we talked. So it's quite poetic that we talk on his birthday we had i had a conversation with some industry colleagues the other day over a pre-christmas event and we were talking about peter and in a way talking about how we don't have the peter nolans anymore we don't have the roger withers we don't have the norbert effelbergers we don't have the jim ryan the gigi livies sorry for anyone i've missed out hillary stewart jones still in the industry but a lot of people have left that founded this industry and the new generation, and I'm, I'd say the generation below us, Robin, are, are slightly different and it's challenging managing them. Well, look, if Peter is your priest, and if this isn't terribly blasphemous, ICE is our church. Let's talk about ICE now because it's around the corner and it's a very, very big three days for everyone in the industry, not least Digitame. What can we expect from the boys and girls from Yerevan? Well, I think firstly, you can expect 200 of us, 200 people coming across from Yerevan. And this is, again, a great example of Mr. Vartney and the founder trying to give people the experience to come to better themselves, to learn about the industry and not be remote in Yerevan. There's a lot of investment from us. Look, I enjoy Ice Robin, you know I do. It's, it's probably the three favourite days of my year at a trade show. And I'm not saying I don't prefer other trade shows, but I just love Ice. I always say enjoy, embrace and survive Ice. In terms of Digitane, you know, it's not just Digitane now. We have Digitane Group with all the different companies coming out. We have the main Digitane stand and that we were looking at it in commercial board the other day and I actually saw the invoice that was still up so I see the money that we're spending but it's not about the money the stand will be very impressive I think we've been known for our impressive stand uh, I can say the main Digitane stand this year is a step up Robin 100% I think we've got one kilometre squared and then obviously we've got the Digitane group stand Galaxis has its own stand Imagine Live has its own stand and it's a platform when I took the team in 2019 we did 41 do last year we did 174 I could bore you with the numbers of 2020 and 2020 but every year we've had growth again it's about giving the team and the company a platform to succeed and i always say have a good ice have a good year if nothing else the digitane stand is always a very very good place to get a cocktail or it has been in recent years anyway so i hope you've got the bar again this year let's talk about the digitane group now and what has caught my eye is the new live dealer site imagine live what can you tell us about that digitane group again comes back to the founder's vision mr vartanian and i think robin i don't know if you've been to armenia and you see digitown i mean it is a town within Yerevan we've got one building up we've got another one being built 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of Imagine Live, I have to be honest, it's a group company that will soon be its own company. It's still part of Digitone, but it's moving out. It's looking at UK license. It's under the very talented guardianship of Matt Charlesworth, uh, ex-Entain and, uh, and Jason, who's ex-Pragmatic. Honestly, it's a very exciting thing for us to be involved in, in Live Dealer. And I'm not being disparaging of Glaxis here. The fast game stuff is very interesting to the industry as well. Matt has a strategy. His experience is that we will support him in that strategy and I'm sure he will succeed. So it's a startup, but it's a startup with Digitain's backing. And I think you see when Mr. Vartanyan supports anything, it, we don't do things by heart, as the English saying goes. I think it's an exciting point for Digitain. I think it's a very exciting challenge for Matt and it's one that I'm looking to support him in to make it a great success because ultimately I think there's always, and we talk about it before, Robin, I don't want to bore everyone again, innovation. I don't think people understand innovation and invention. And I think Matt has some innovative ideas from his experience of being an operator at Entain. He knows what Live Dealer needs. When you try and sell to these operators, we don't always listen to them. So Matt has a platform to succeed. He has an opportunity to deliver. And I'm a bit jealous of him, to be honest. I wouldn't mind it myself. Well, we look forward to seeing that and I'm sure it'll be a great success. But speaking of great successes and speaking of development, I think, as we touched on earlier, you've got some personal news because your role is changing within Digitain too. Touching briefly, I think I had a dinner in Yerevan before I left the last time with a team and I, I said to them they were the biggest success of my career to date. Now that might be a career devoid of success, I don't know. But there's three incarnations of the team. When I took the team in January 2020, it was a dysfunctional team, sad team, it was a team in conflict. We built a new team during COVID and the, the, the tragic events for Armenia in 2020. You make people successful, they want to go and they think they could do everything earn all the money in the world. So a few people left the team at the end of 2021 and we've rebuilt it now and I think we've rebuilt the team to be in a very strong place. But Mr. Vartanian gave me the new opportunity. I won't lie, I told him I didn't want it. Mr. Vartanian was very surprised. He was like, I'm making you a CEO. I, like, I don't care. It's about the opportunity to me. So there's the title. It will be CEO. It will be CEO of one of the Digitain Group companies focusing on live sport delivery, virtual sports, which I know. And there's a vision now. I don't want to give too much of the vision away, but ultimately this company will be looking to be buying sports rights we will have the odds for your product so it's a very big challenge but i won't have peter which is a shame but the reason i've taken this job and i've told mr vartanian this uh, you're now one of my mentors in the industry which i don't know if that's a good thing or not he sits along david badoff and robbie with us so take that as it is and i said i wouldn't take it if it wasn't for him I'm interested because of him, the way he leads with such humility and honesty. And I don't know how he does it. And patience. Maybe that's what I need to learn from Mr. Vartanian is patience. But the team that we've built, I'm sure, will go on to further success in terms of sales. I've got a very good management team of three people. And the team's very good and very talented. They're a very good example and export of Armenia, that team. My role changes as of January the 19th, January the 20th. As I said, Mr. Vartanian may want me to knock out some of the Simonisms in me. But I think that I have to start thinking as a CEO now as well, which is a bit of a change for me. And not just looking at the sales numbers, you have to look at everything. Uh, I'm very excited to work closely with Mr. Vartanian is the real, the real reason I took the job, as, long, as well as the opportunity that he's given me. And I'm thankful for that. Absolutely. Well, listen, we wish you well with that venture. I hope it doesn't change you as a person. I'm sure it won't. And I'm sure you've still got time for the old gin and tonics. I wish you well with that, Simon. And obviously, we wish everyone at Digitain well for 2023, starting at ICE. All the best. Thank you, Robin. And always time for a gin and tonic. And maybe some small self-improvement won't go amiss, but I won't be reading any self-help books in the near future.
Today I'm speaking to, to Ryan Kerr, VP of Revenue and Trading at micro betting provider SimpleBet. SimpleBet is the technology company pioneering micro betting and fan engagement for US sports. Micro betting introduces instant gratification to the sports betting experience by enabling moments within sporting events to become discrete betting and engagement opportunities. Ryan, how are you doing today? Are you all right? Doing great. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. So obviously micro betting is a relatively new concept to US sports. This was your second full year providing markets on every single college football and NFL game. Uh, what were some of the sort of takeaways you've had from this season? I think over the past 24 months or so, getting live with some fairly large operators, we've been fair, we've been really battle tested and have had some great learnings that we were able to take from year one in college football and NFL. Is it? just kind of the focus on uptime and, and making sure it is availability. In 2021, when we launched college football and NFL, we stuck to kind of like our core offering, which our core offering is the ability to bet on every single drive, whether that will be a score or no score, the exact opportunity will it be a touchdown, field goal attempt, punt or turnover. And then will each of those drives cross the 20, 35 or 50? And then similarly, as granular as every play, will that next play be a rush or a pass? I think some of the learnings that we found in 2021 were that we wanted to provide a little bit longer timeframes out. So one thing that we worked on in 2022 is the ability to bet not only on the current drive, but the upcoming drive for the opposing team as well. And we've seen great adoption with that, which then as we kind of look at kind of the long tail for us, it allows the ability to combine two drives together. And there's some really exciting things that those unlock for us. So I think that was a key takeaway for college football. For NFL, it's ironic as we come up here on the Super Bowl, our goal is truly to turn every single football game into a Super Bowl. And so when you, you come up on this upcoming Super Bowl and say it's the Eagles and the Chiefs, you're going to have the ability pre-match to say, will Miles Sanders' first carry be over under three and a half yards? You know, a really common prop bet. And for us, we've actually had the ability now with some of our automation, we actually price out Miles Sanders' second and third and fourth and fifth and all subsequent carries. And will that be over three and a half yards after he has his first and second carry? So well, we really dug pretty deep in, in NFL to provide our partners with as many unique player markets as they would like with this kind of next time frame in mind. Obviously, you mentioned you want every game to be a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, sports sometimes is less exciting, especially, in, I guess, college sport. There's a real chance that there can be a blowout quite early. And as a sports better myself, there's nothing more boring than knowing your bets lost after one quarter. How can sort of micro betting be the way to keep players engaged there? It's actually perfect in these blowouts. And some things that we've seen is just how engaging these markets are during blowouts and how our markets remain very steady and keep people active throughout the course of the game. And I think that's due to the fact that, yeah, you mentioned a significant blowout. The TCU Georgia College Football National Championship is a perfect example where we saw steady handle throughout the course of the third and fourth quarter when that game was well out of reach because people are still having the ability to say, you know, has Georgia given up? Are they going to punt on this drive or will they end up settling for a field goal? Will they still continue to move the ball down the field and, and end up crossing the 50 yard line? So all these kind of instant gratification markets provide the ability to, to keep people engaged in the game. And sometimes just looking at the game, maybe a little bit differently than they had been, you know, at the start of it. On user experience, or is it just because people want to keep coming back into the action? 
I think there's a couple things. I think we certainly do focus on the experience at, at a lot of different ways. And I think when we think about focusing on the experience, that is ensuring, right, that our markets immediately after that rush, that they're resulting, right, that the users are getting their money immediately back to them. It's, they're not having to wait five, 10 minutes to get that result. And they're, we're sending through that result immediately. I think it's two, it's maximizing the uptime. There's nothing more frustrating than if I was trying to stay involved and, and watch a game and try and bet on the next play to be a rush or a pass is it you know had that constant grayed out and not being available or being suspended um so i think you know ensuring those things are what we're doing to focus on the user experience i think the the second wave of where micro betting really starts to take off is some of the things that we're working with a lot of our partners on which is better match tracking visualizations to ensure that we're trying to handle some of the latency issues that people have if they're watching on say streaming secondly i think we're working really closely with a lot of our partners we, we have tons of historical data, but then we also have a lot of in-play data that we're trying to provide within our metadata to our partners as we send over our pricing for, say, Tom Brady's sixth pass within the metadata if he's completed his past five completions, we can pass that along to try and contextualize some of the betting for people. So I think that's a really kind of a next generation part of where we see micro betting evolving. Obviously there you've touched upon partners you have. You recently launched with Caesars, which is now, you know, you've got five sort of major operators in the US alone. Do you have, I guess, an idea of how big micro betting can become? Yeah, we think micro betting can be a, a huge category. I think we're, we're getting that sort of validation from a lot of people within the industry who obviously are coming to Simple that hoping that will be their solution. We have two very large players in the US that are going to be launching with us coming one in during early baseball season and one during the summer and then into football season for this next year. So yeah, we anticipate micro betting. Everybody within their sports book will have some semblance of micro betting, I anticipate. Our goal and, and hope is that a lot of people will utilize SimpleBet as that provider. And I think the thing that we're constantly focusing on about a company of about 100 people that are clearly focused on this one piece of the industry is where we're continuing to evolve into kind of all of in play. And so I think some of our product roadmap allows us to be more of kind of a one-stop shop for partners. And similarly, I think being live now with some of the big players, we just have really great working relationships. And I think we're a really good B2B partner and trying to fill some of the gaps that they might see within their product. They utilize SimpleBet as kind of like that technology partner that can enable some of the things or challenges that they've had to, to date. Obviously, we've kind of spoken a bit about your, the big plans. ICE is just around the corner. You guys are going to attend. Obviously, a lot of kind of what we discussed has been about North America and American sports. How does your product sort of extend its reach beyond just North American consumer? And I guess what are you kind of looking to see at ICE from your perspective? Yeah, so we, we attended ICE last year, and then obviously in the last six months, we were able to gain global distribution and working really closely with Bet365. And I think that's really accelerated some of our plans to explore international. One thing with our product that I think is relatively unique is when thinking about international, the five major US sports that we're focusing on right now, some of them aren't very big overseas, right? College football and college basketball aren't very big. However, NBA is a huge market and NFL is consistently growing and MLB and different 
different parts of the world has some some strong popularity. But I think some of the things that we've actually learned and heard from some of our international partners is how well these markets do during off time events. And so when you think about just the timing of these events, they're happening during non-peak hours. And so they're filling content for some of these international providers that are looking for something to have at all hours of the day, 24-7, 365. So I think we've seen some really strong growth, even in some sports that aren't overly popular when it comes to just pure incrementality for some of our partners. And then secondly, we think we've solved you know, what we've been able to do for both baseball and basketball. And so we're looking at some of the international sports, whether that be KBO, EuroLeague basketball. Similarly, then we've, we've gotten, obviously, as you can imagine, tons of requests for trying to enter into soccer, football, as you may call it, which is an area where we've we've done a lot of digging. For us as a company, we've spent a lot of time focusing on the quality of our product. I think if we were to enter into soccer, we would really want to see that there was a significant delta for what is currently out there versus what we would be able to provide. And to date, we haven't really felt like that's an area where we thought we could purely dominate like we are able to in the, the other five American sports right now. American sports, the way they kind of set up and kind of the segmented nature I guess and it, it lends itself so well to sort of micro bets isn't it like it's hard to have a bet on football what's going to happen next you don't really know whereas baseball there's going to be a finite amount of out- outcomes and it makes it so exciting yeah absolutely the cadence of, of baseball specific is so conducive to these sort of micros and yeah I mean we see that within our numbers baseball outpaced football by almost like a three to two this past year in terms of both handle and GGR and hey think about 180 straight days of baseball over the course of the summer having the ability to bet on every single pitch across every single game I mean, that's a pretty exciting proposition and it also makes people coming in and out of a baseball game not have to sit there for three hours and wait for the outcome of a baseball game they can come in and out for 10 or 15 minutes at, at various times and, and get involved the sheer scale of numbers there isn't it a market on every pitch for 180 straight days is mad obviously with the super bowl being literally around the corner I'm gonna put you on the spot granted this is before the conference championships but what are your big super bowl predictions Nice. Now I can look really dumb when I already said it was going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles. So yeah, I think Mahomes ends up winning a Super Bowl on a bum leg. And I think from a micro betting standpoint, last year we were live with DraftKings. We did a little over $7 million on these micros, which I think accounted for like nearly 25% of all of in play. And I would think with all of our partners this year, with some of the new states on board and some of our partners, we would anticipate we're forecasting anywhere between 25 and $30 million of handle on our micros across our partners. We would anticipate that probably accounting for anywhere between like one and 1.5 million total bets. And so, yeah, it's pretty exciting, these sort of games. And we've seen great growth throughout the divisional round and the early playoff in the wild card round. With just the growth, I think what we've seen some really good growth on is some of those player markets that I touched on. When it comes to the Super Bowl, people are so conditioned to think about kind of unique prop bets. And once the game starts, those prop bets tend to all go away. And I think we're kind of filling the gap to keep people engaged in so many different areas, you know, so many different casual fans that look at the game in a, maybe a smaller lens or in are just trying to figure out, you know, in a Super Bowl, how many times are they going to talk about Patrick Mahomes having a high ankle sprain?
brain? How many times are they going to say the word Gronk? All these different things are, are things that people keep stay engaged with the game. And so I think for us, it's who's going to have the next catch on this upcoming drive? Who's going to score a touchdown? And all these different avenues within a game keep people engaged. And so that's our goal when we think about the depth of our offering. We provide so many different solutions to our partners and they can pick and choose what they want to end up offering and surfacing them at various times. And then for a partner like DraftKings, for example, I think they've been live with us now for a year and a half. And it's been exciting to see the growth that they've been able to have with our markets and them building some certain products around our markets. So they just unveiled player cards. So you have the ability, if you're a fan that just frankly wants to bet on Travis Kelsey, you can open up that Travis Kelsey player card and sitting in Travis Kelsey's player card are all of Travis Kelsey's markets. I think the way that these markets are starting to get displayed are going to allow for more mainstream adoption moving forward. Finally, to Games Global, a brand itself not a year old, but one with a deep history and a big heart. Games Global's charismatic leader, Walter Bunyo, is in conversation with Square Engineer's Sam Gascoigne. Hi, Walter. Thank you for joining us on iGaming FM today. It's been 10 months since Games Global acquired microgaming's distribution business. Can you talk us through how these first few months have gone? Well, thank you, and thank you for having me today. I guess the, the biggest highlight for us has been watching what began as an idea, develop into a cohesive, exciting, fast-moving company that is now 1,000-plus staff strong. It's been a period of immense growth for Games Global, and I think there's plenty more of improvement to, to come, which we're really incredibly excited about. With 22 now behind us, I think we can look back and say that we delivered what we set out to do, which was primarily focused on improving the quality of our game, uh, of our games, building on the relationship with our uh, strategic partners, our customers, and and really exciting players along along the way. It's crucial for Games Global to continue to work closely with our partners so that we can ensure that we have our our finger on the pulse and and understand really what they want and their and their needs. And during the first 10 months of Games Global, we really facilitated lots of opportunities for that for that to happen. And the highlight being perhaps our strategic customer workshop and company launch event in June 2022 that was held in, in Portugal. Brilliant. Thank you. Games Global currently has over 35 exclusive partner studios, with more being added on a regular basis. What are the benefits for studios working with Games Global, and how do you work with each individual partner to ensure their full potential? We have multiple categories of studios and as you say there's 35 and increasing actually we are now close uh, to 40 and the three categories of studios are primarily our fully or wholly owned studios majority owned studios where we leave the founders of the studios with quite a significant minority stake equity stake in the studios which is also a large part of our studio base and to a lesser degree third party studios where we have no equity and there are only a couple of those that we utilize in our echo system there are probably two major focuses for us when a studio joins our ecosystem the first is they immediately get access 
to our distribution network. And we have what I would define as the largest and the deepest distribution network in the industry and across a wide variety of geographies. You know, immediately we have a a reach that is a second to none. The second big advantage is that we have a centralized technology and knowledge bank and what we call our center of excellence, where through the years we collect the best of the best in terms of developments, experiences from a game development perspective. And as a Games Global Studio, you immediately have access to that repository in the center of excellence, which allows you to produce games, better games, faster games, higher quality games, and importantly, with a very high level of efficiency. You've previously mentioned that you aim to be the one company in the industry. What did you mean by that? And are you on your way to achieving that goal? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I I, want to make sure that people understand what we say. We don't say we want to be the, the one company in the industry. We say our mission or our vision is to be the one. What does to be the one mean? It doesn't mean that we want to be the biggest or we want to be number one. It's, it's not a numerical reference. It's a conceptual and cultural reference point. When we say we want to be the one, it means that we want to be the company that our customers naturally come to. If they have an issue, if they want to jump shift their business, if they want to brainstorm an issue, if they want to do an innovation, if they want to change the rules of how they engage, we want to be the go-to company in the industry. We want to be the company that when a customer says, I want to talk to someone as the knowledgeable expert in the industry, they think of Games Global. So that's the first. The second is an internal objective, which is we want to be the reference, again, the benchmark for people as the company that they want to join. We want to be the one. When they say, who do I want to join and really get a good experience with, or the company that I think I will have the most fun at. We want to be the one that they think of. That's what it means. And we are doing a lot of activity, both with customers and with employees and with universities at trying to position our organization as being the company that people want to deal with. So to be the one. What can we expect from Games Global in 2023? I guess you could summarize the year that's about to come into, again, a number of categories. First is we want to continue building on the momentum that we saw in 2022 with regards to the performance of our games. We had a significant improvement in the quality of our games, the revenue generation of our games for our customers, and we want to continue that. So more high-quality content to bring to our customers that will excite their players. Secondly, it's about expanding geographically for us. So 2023 will see us, one, enter a number more, let's say, in an expansive way into a number of markets in that we have been in the past, but perhaps without a local presence. Italy is an example that I uh, could reference. And so a high level of presence in existing geographies and then some new geographies 
geographies, first and foremost amongst those being the United States, where we are looking at making an entry in 2023. Then from an innovation and product perspective, I think you can expect to see some very interesting innovation from us across the spectrum, from our base technology, from promotional and customer marketing tools, mechanics in games, and, and then a major push on a lot of innovation on jackpot products. We already today have the most successful and the biggest jackpot offerings in the marketplace. And I think 2023, we'll see an enhancement. So it's a watch this space in that area for us. So very, very exciting, very, very exciting times, as well as an expansion of our um, of our um employee base. We are currently expanding the number of staff in some critical functions where we think we can make a real difference. And that's also a major focus for 2023. ICE begins next week. This will be the first time Games Global is exhibited at the event. Can you tell us a bit about your plans for the week as well as the studios and products you'll be showcasing? ICE is going to be a very, very exciting event for everyone. We are taking a very innovative approach at the way that we will be approaching ICE. Of course, we are taking a presence at the show, but with the amount of studios that we have in our portfolio, it's hard to be able to showcase them all in the one location. So we're also taking the opportunity of creating what we've termed Studio Boulevard on the Sunborn Yacht, which is next to the ICE exhibition. And so we encourage as many people as possible to come and visit our Studio Boulevard, where each of the studios will have a setup of a mini version of their studio for people to see and engage on, on all of the new games that they are working on. And of course, the presentation of our games will be the most significant contribution. So for ICE, our 2023 roadmap and the presentation of such and showcasing that is a very exciting opportunity for us. Thanks again to all our contributors to this episode, to guests Simon, Ryan and Walter, and to Square in the Air team of Robin and both Sams for asking the questions so expertly. We'll see you in London next week, and from wherever you're flying in to visit ICE and IGB affiliate, we wish you safe travels. And as ever, please, please remember to keep your receipts. <laughs> <laughs>